Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this podcast goes along with an article and very aesthetically pleasing piece of content that I did entitled 130 Problematic Gene Alleles Predicting Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Diabetes, and Other Diseases. You're definitely going to want to check out this article because in it, I list, as I mentioned, 130 gene alleles that if you suffer the uh, genetic misfortune of having some of them, and almost certainly you do, then you're definitely going to want to know what are the specific like biohacks and interventions for this. And in this article, I dived pretty deep. This article is for focus supplements in the UK. And if you're a biohacker in Europe or in the UK, you're definitely going to want to check out focus supplements. These guys meet the very high standards that I have for the supplement sources. You know, you hear all these amazing things about nootropics or different anti-aging supplements, and that would certainly make you want to go and spend your money and invest your time in, in using these things to improve your health, health and certainly to fix issues that you may have that may be because of your problematic genes, right? But the the truth about this that's not really widely talked about is that a lot of companies out there, and unfortunately probably the majority of the the brands of products that you see on the store shelves of whatever pharmacy or whatever grocery store you might be inclined to purchase your supplements at, these brands a lot of times are not the real McCoy. They're, they're not the real thing. Or they are not... Uh, pharmaceutical grade, which is above 97% pure. And Focus Supplements really stands out because they publish their certificates of analysis, their spectroscopy reports that verify that they are selling the real thing. So check them out if you're here on this side of the pond. They're one of the best sources I've found and I use their products frequently myself. I do free 25-minute biohacking consultations with anyone that purchases a hundred pounds worth of the supplements and vitamins on focussupplements.com. You just have to make a purchase of anything via the links on my website or the links below this video or podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And then importantly, please send me that receipt for at least 100 pounds worth of products of uh, investment that you're making. And me and you can jump on Skype for 25 or maybe even 30 minutes sometimes. Sometimes these consultations, they get a little bit crazy and we go 30, 35 minutes. And we can chat about what we can actually chat about if, if you're if you're interested, if you have gotten the 23andMe personal genotyping done, we can talk about uh, your genes and we can we can look through them together. And I'm not 
I don't have the expertise that some people out there on the internet have about this subject, but it's something that I've uh, I'm doing research about, that I'm learning more and more about, that I'm quite interested in. And I'd certainly be interested in talking with you. So let's get into this article. In my view, the real value in a personalized genetic report is the insight into the potential health disasters looming in your future. Okay. Cheesy metaphor, guys. If your body is the planet Earth, then these genetic reports are like an asteroid early detection systems. And specific supplements or lifestyle interventions may be your personal Bruce Willis. So let's say that you've gotten your personal genotyping done, or maybe you're just thinking about getting it done through a company like 23andMe, Ancestry DNA, or one of the other ones out there. I know that this is uh, that there's a growing number of serv- of uh, companies entering this this sector, right? These services provide you with a vast amount of information that's not readily very useful. They give you a giant text file containing many thousands of indecipherable SNPs. Sometimes phonetically people call these snaps. And these are the base level of your genetic code. Disappointingly though, these companies are forbidden by government regulating agencies from telling you what diseases and chronic health conditions your genes predict you may suffer from in the future. They are also forbidden from making recommendations based upon what they ascertain about you. Likely, this is just the regulating agencies protecting their friends in the hospital and pharmaceutical industries that pay them many billions of dollars in fines. Luckily for you, I am just a freelance biohacker, researcher, and self-tinkerer, not similarly forbidden from expressing my opinions. At least until some big pharma hitman comes knocking at my door, right? Oh no, what is that? Just kidding, just kidding, I'm safe guys, don't worry. Anyways, in this article, What we've done is list some common genes, alleles, and SNPs, along with the associated health conditions and supplements and lifestyle interventions that prevent or treat the condition. So taking the supplement or supplements listed for the problematic genes you have is a pretty good idea. It's not guaranteed to treat or prevent the condition you may or may not suffer for. And let me repeat that because it's really important. This is the part of this podcast where I got to say, this is not health advice. This is just, this is just some guy's opinions, right? This is actually, this is actually entertainment. It's really not health advice, guys. Again, it's the, the supplements are not guaranteed to treat or prevent the condition that you may or may not suffer from based upon your genes. But a smart life hacker is always looking to tame the black swans in their future. Take advantage of asymmetrical upsides and mitigate asymmetrical downside. You'll realize in that 
previous sentence there, I I uh, borrowed quite a bit of vocabulary and phraseology from Nassim Taleb. So check him out, read his books, check out his his interviews if you haven't already, and you'll really be able to appreciate the life hacking philosophy that this article is is going deep on. Let's talk about the methodology here. Uh, and our methodology for determining these specific supplements or interventions was to look at meta-analysis papers about these conditions. The meta-analysis will recommend supplements or lifestyle interventions. A meta-analysis, if you don't know, is a paper where a group of scientists meta-analyzed multiple human placebo-controlled studies and clinical trials. Often, a single study may be misleading or unhelpful because the sample size was not big enough, the study was done 40 years ago, or the researchers had a conflict of interest, but 10, 20, or more studies done on a topic really capture the big picture. Science is the endeavor of asymptotically approaching the truth of reality. And meta-analysis papers more often than not are the asymptote. Check out the, the infographic where I, where I visually show you what an asymptote is if you're wondering, what the heck are you talking about, Jonathan? So then what we did is we used the objective website examine.com to select supplements that have substantial scientific evidence supporting their usage to treat or prevent the undesirable conditions. Okay, and this is the point where you really have to go and just check out the article and take a look at what's and what's in there because I'm not gonna go through here and read every single one of the conditions because we identified again, uh, quite a few of them because we analyzed 130 different problematic genes. So a skeptical, critical thinker may raise the objection uh, listening to my methodology. They may say, hey, Jonathan, how do you know that the supplement you're recommending addresses the specific gene predisposition that results in the deleterious health condition? Here's the answer to that. For some of the health supplements mentioned, there are studies showing a direct causal link between the gene and the mechanism of the supplement, but sometimes not. Sometimes there is not a cogent scientific theory for why a supplement helps people with a specific issue. Sometimes there's just the phenomena of a supplement consistently outperforming a placebo in human trials, and that makes it worth your attention. Every decision that you make is a bet, especially when it comes to your health. Here's an example. At the airport, they search you for bombs or weapons before you get on the airplane. Not because they think that you are a terrorist, but because the very rare incidences of terrorism are extremely costly costly, and it debatably justifies searching many millions of people for bombs and weapons who they are 99.999999% certain are not terrorists. Similarly, 
If your genes indicate that there is a chance that you may have a health condition that's extremely costly, both in money, but also in months or years of your precious life misspent suffering, it's intelligent to bet a comparatively minuscule amount of time and money on supplements or lifestyle interventions that might help. I'll say that last sentence again because I was especially proud of crafting it and it really captures the, the, the biohacker health ethos. If your genes indicate that there is a chance that you may have a health condition that's extremely costly, both in money, but also in months or years of your precious life, misspent suffering in hospitals or wherever, it's intelligent to bet a comparatively tiny amount of money and time on supplements or lifestyle interventions that might help. It would be a severe understatement to say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Alzheimer's, for example, can be reliably prevented with a combination of a couple of things. First of all, alpha-GPC. So scientific papers and at least one clinical trial draw a connection between alpha-GPC and Alzheimer's. The daily cost of a preventative dose of pharma-grade alpha-GPC is 25 cents to $1, which that's right, that's the daily cost, less than a, uh, the cup of a, of, a, of a cup of coffee, right? And that comes out to 90 to $365 yearly. The next really efficacious Alzheimer intervention is ginkgo biloba, ginkgo biloba. Why is that a word that is difficult for me to say every once in a while? So five clinical trials totaling over 1,500 human subjects demonstrate a very consistent, helpful effect. The dosage is 240 milligrams daily split into two doses. And the yearly cost of this is between $19 to $70. That's something, isn't it? The, the preventative dose of ginkgo biloba is as low as $19. What, what a value, right? And here's a pro tip. There's significant savings in using powdered ginkgo biloba. This, uh, I've taken ginkgo biloba in capsules, and then I switched to ginkgo biloba in, in powder and Boy, it really is inexpensive because it's, you know, it's an organic, unpatented um, plant product that is, is widely available. And I actually link in this article to a source that looked to be really high quality and very economical. It really is one of the best value supplements for maintaining your brain, according to Dr. Daniel Amen, who is the guy that does all the brain scans, and he is famous for saying that the prettiest brains that he sees in his brain scans are the brains of people who take ginkgo. Good to know, right? Next is exercise. A 2007, uh, sorry, 2017 Alzheimer meta-analysis published 
by the University of New Mexico asserts that exercise is often more effective than medication when it comes to prevention. Quote, because of mixed effectiveness of medications, exercise has been considered as a treatment for preclinical Alzheimer's, late stage Alzheimer's, and as a prevention strategy. Exercise appears to improve brain blood flow, increase hippocampal volume, and improve neurogenesis. Prospective studies indicate that physical inactivity is one of the most common preventable risk factors for developing Alzheimer's and that higher physical activity levels are associated with a reduced risk of development of disease. And then finally is sleep hacking. A 2017 American meta-analysis paper considered 27 different studies. That's, that's a lot, totaling 70,000 participants. Wow, that really is significant. And it concluded that at least 15% of Alzheimer's cases are attributed to bad sleep. And that's significant. That means that many millions of people suffering and dying from Alzheimer's could have avoided that if they had been more disciplined about their sleep habits. So you'd want to start by practicing some of the, the sleep hacks that I talk about. Check out some of the articles that I link to where I go more in depth on that. And it's also a good idea for you to supplement high quality magnesium or a uh, product like Restored that they sell over there on, at Focus Supplements. So if you have a few of the Alzheimer's risk factor alleles red flagged in your genetic report, don't freak out. And you don't have to break the bank, you know, buying a ton of supplements, but you just wanna be a little more vigilant about your good habits of eating right, exercising, and you know, cycling different healthy supplements. However, there's some of you out there that you'll get your raw data back, you'll run it through Prometheus or self-decoded or whatever, and you'll find a significant number of Alzheimer's risk factors. And maybe you have a family history of degenerative cognitive diseases or early onset symptoms then I'd urge that you really get into the research yourself. Go and read some books, read all the studies that you can get your hands on, and it would be a really smart idea for you to regularly supplement the alpha-GPC and the ginkgo, and I think that there was about 50 Alzheimer's risk factor alleles total that you can find on, uh, again, in the article. Next is Parkinson's. This nasty degenerative disease robs us of our vitality and dignity. Preventing Parkinson's is a less certain endeavor than doing so with Alzheimer's. But human trials and animal studies indicate that several, that there's several supplemental interventions that really are helpful. First of all is one of my favorite, caffeine. That's right. Intake of that sweet, sweet, one, two, three, seven trimethylxanthine is one of the more proven supplementation options for Parkinson's prevention. A significant American study was conducted totaling several thousand middle-aged or elderly Japanese American men. 
Our findings indicate that higher coffee and caffeine intake is associated with a significant lower incidence of Parkinson's disease. The data suggest that the mechanism is related to caffeine intake and not to other nutrients contained in coffee. A similarly impressive Finnish study published in 2008 evaluated caffeine in a population group of over 6,000 people. With a 22-year follow-up, it concluded the results support the hypothesis that coffee consumption reduces the risk of Parkinson's disease, but protective effect of coffee may vary by exposure to other factors. It's identified in an American National Institute of Health paper as one of the top 12 most promising drugs for addressing Parkinson's. So drink some good high quality coffee daily, or you might want to look into something like an L-theanine and caffeine supplement if you're one of those people that just hates the way that coffee tastes. Next notable intervention for Parkinson's is Makona Pruins with L-DOPA. Makona Pruins, I might be pronouncing that wrong, sorry, sorry guys, is uh, this is a dried powder that was tested in 86 persons in clinical trials where between 15 to 45 grams of Makuna Pruins was found to be helpful. You could also just supplement L-DOPA itself. The effective dose of treating symptoms of Parkinson's is between 500 to 1500 milligrams. But I hear Makuna Pruins kind of has a, a nice taste. There was a bulletproof video where they were adding it to coffee. So maybe I'll try, maybe I'll try adding it to my, my coffee here. Next is vitamin E. A 2005 Canadian meta-analysis considered the data of eight different studies of vitamin E and Parkinson's. It reached the conclusion that it's worthwhile. This protective influence was seen with both moderate intake and high intake of vitamin E. We conclude that dietary vitamin E may have a neuroprotective effect attenuating the risk of Parkinson's disease. Next is vitamin D. Some in vitro and human trials have found that low serum vitamin D is correlated with increased risk of Parkinson's. That doesn't mean that vitamin D deficiency is the cause of Parkinson's, but it's increasing evidence that vitamin D supplementation is a good idea. From a 2008 human study out of Emory University School of Medicine, to compare the prevalence of vitamin D deficiency in a research database cohort of patients with Parkinson's disease with the prevalence in age-matched healthy controls and patients with Alzheimer's disease. This report of 25 OHD concentrations in a predominantly white Parkinson's disease cohort demonstrates a significantly higher prevalence of hitovitaminosis in Parkinson's disease versus both healthy controls and patients with Alzheimer's disease. These data support a possible role of vitamin D insufficiency in Parkinson's disease. 
The final notable Parkinson's intervention is CoQ10. And a deficiency of this stuff is a likely cause of Parkinson's. A study of 28 Germans found that 360 milligrams daily of CoQ10 uh, meaningfully, meaningfully alleviated Parkinson's, Parkinson's symptoms after four weeks. That's pretty cool. With CoQ10, this is really something where you don't want to just get any old CoQ10. There's a specific form of CoQ10 which actually gets absorbed and then there's a bunch of other forms of it that, that really don't do you uh, very good that are also kind of expensive. So you're going to want to check out my article specifically on CoQ10 because I, I narrow it down and provide a couple of recommended sources there that you should that you should check out. Finally, let's talk about preventing diabetes. This is another killer of at least 300,000 Americans yearly that may be lurking in your genes. Obviously, diabetes is a disease of modernity. It has everything to do with our fast food, drive-by, binge-watching culture. Not a lot of people that had to plow a farm got diabetes, but there's over 70 alleles that if you have them, you'll want to be extra vigilant about diabetes prevention measures. If you don't have any diabetes prone genes and the disease doesn't show up frequently in your family history, then you know don't be totally irresponsible about your diet but you can probably enjoy guilt-free that second slice of cake from time to time. If some of the diabetes risk factors show up in your genome, know that you're not destined to die of clogged arteries. You can live a long, good life if you're willing to habituate and practice discipline. You'll want to abstain from sugar, alcohol, and highly processed carbohydrates or junk food. If you're at some diabetes risk because of your genes, family history, sedentary lifestyle, or weight, you can be a little naughty, okay, and cheat every once in a, every, every once in a blue moon, but try to be disciplined the majority of the time. Unless your genome and personal history put you at the very lowest risk for diabetes, don't do a cheat day or a cheat meal more frequently than once a month. Let me repeat that one. Unless you, your genes and your own family history indicate strongly that you really don't have anything to worry about, unless you fall into that lowest risk cohort, then don't do a cheat day more than once a month, okay? Especially if you're uh, within, your, within your third or fourth decade. Next, next meaningful intervention is exercise, unsurprisingly. Exercise really matters in preventing diabetes. An impressive American study followed 32,000 middle-aged men for 18 years and monitored their exercise habits. Quote, we performed a prospective cohort study 
among 32,000 men with the health professionals follow-up study that were followed from 1990 until 2008. Weekly time spent on weight training and aerobic exercise, including brisk walking, jogging, running, bicycling, swimming, tennis, squash, calisthenics, and fighting with a gorilla, just kidding about that last one, was obtained from questionnaire at baseline and biennially, 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 I do not know how to say that funny little word. During the follow-up, the study concluded, men who are engaged in both aerobic exercise and weight training at of at least 150 minutes a week had the greatest reduction in type 2 diabetes risk. And I'll mention here H-I-I-T or HIT, like come at me man, or let's hit it man. This is an acronym for high intensity training. And it is a seriously time-saving exercise life hack for staying healthy, vigorous, and lean. You'll wanna check out the really good blog on Focus Supplements, more about it. Quote, a single session of HIT can last as little as four minutes or as long as 30 minutes. It involves a brief warm-up followed by short bursts of flat-out exercise, such as sprinting, alternating with even briefer periods of low-intensity activity, such as walking or jogging. Finally, when the session ends, the participant can relax and cool down. The benefits of HIT are that it burns calories and fat, improves your endurance, boosts metabolism, and is good for the heart. I was thinking about doing this over by over by Sertica. You know where there's that wide, wide open space there and I can get out there and I can just sprint, 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 sprint really fast down it. And then I can like stop. And what I'll do is I'll like lay down on the ground and stretch really slowly. Or maybe I'll do, I'll do like some Kung Fu because you know, you know, I know a little bit of Kung Fu, right? So I'll do, I also know a little bit of Kung Fu, but I'm better, much, much, you're going to see it. I want to see it. You're going to see it and so so is everybody else over there on Sertica. We're going to we're going to make a scene. Okay. I'm going to film this. Okay. The next intervention worth your attention is green tea, cinnamon and turmeric. Three three things that I keep coming back to in my podcast. Preventing diabetes has everything to do with your day-to-day consumption habits. Specifically drinking fat-burning green tea, and spicing up your caloric intake with cinnamon and turmeric. Green tea improves fat oxidation and insulin sensitivity. According to a recent study collaboration between English and Turkish researchers, intake of the catechin, with a really long name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce here, and caffeine has shown to enhance exercise-induced fat oxidation. Maca green tea powder contains catechins and caffeine and is consumed as a drink. I enjoyed some of Focus Supplements maca green tea so much that I'd really like them to send me some more, actually. Maca green tea drinking can enhance exercise-induced fat oxidation in females. However, when regular brisk Walking with 30 minutes 30 minute bouts is being undertaken as part of a weight loss 
program. So I'm imagining a kind of a, a chubby woman who is who is uh, sweating, sweating like a pig and uh, huffing and puffing as she's doing some very vigorous exercise. Well, she is uh, slamming down some maca green tea and that's like the before and then after that she transforms into like Miss America thanks to the thanks to that that fat oxidation mechanism that those that these three things have together so effectively cinnamon which has been demonstrated in numerous studies to lower blood sugar and improve insulin sensitivity so cinnamon it's delicious and it's a superfood for you all the way around just make sure you get the good organic stuff not that the crappy chinese stuff because who knows who knows what toxins are in it and then turmeric with pepper importantly lowers inflammation which is a major factor in diabetes and both superfood spices improve the taste of green tea a lot of people don't really like the taste of green tea i think maca has a bit better uh, taste than normal green tea. And then the final intervention that's really worthwhile is resveratrol. And supplementation of this household name antioxidant is not for everybody, but for those at high risk for diabetes, it's a smart idea as it puts your body in a state mimicking fasting. You're going to want to check out my video on resveratrol. From a 2011 double-blind placebo-controlled study of 19 Hungarian diabetics. Quote, our aims were to determine whether the polyphenol resveratrol improves insulin sensitivity in type 2 diabetic patients and to gain some insight into the mechanism of its action. The present study shows for the first time that resveratrol improves insulin sensitivity in humans, which might be due to a resveratrol-induced decrease in oxidative stress that leads to a more efficient insulin signaling. And then I list the numerous diabetic risk factor genes along with those corresponding snaps to use that word oh snap we got some problematic snaps finally i want to talk about define your genetic destiny genes can be a touchy subject because as genetic science advances the evidence gets stronger and stronger that it's more nature than it is nurture. When it comes to the immutable characteristics that determine your success and the health, your genes are likely, but not necessarily, your destiny. The raw data of personal genotyping reveals an uncomfortable truth, which is that life is really not fair. You did not get to choose your parents, but the genes they chose to give you in a sweaty moment of primal lust have a lot to do with the choices that you'll make. But as I've said before, mitochondria are to genes what free will is to predetermination. If you empower the project of personal development, self-knowledge, and self-actualization with biohacking tools, strategies, and supplements, you can wrangle control of your life and destiny away from your genes.
legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.